With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself with you talking sports for the next couple of hours, localizing it as best as we possibly can. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, we're going to start local. Uh, Mitchell Moore, the head coach of Roosevelt, the Rough Riders, they will play on Friday night. They'll play the next Friday night, but like the rest of the city schools, will it be a two-game schedule? And then they're asked to um, shut things down, so we'll talk to Coach Moore about that. I did see, I read the lawsuit that was filed. I shouldn't say that. I skimmed it. I didn't read it. Um, wasn't uh, out with notes and highlighters, yeah, anything no, like that? I wasn't doing show prep with that, but I did skim through it. You, um, you know, you go right to the end and see what they're uh, what they're asking for. But anyways, I did see that, and we'll talk to Coach Moore coming up at 1020. David Kaplan, it's Wednesday. Centurion Stone uh, sponsors Cappy. We have to start with the best team in Chicago, and we will. The Southsiders, uh, the Chicago White Sox, and the story that Lucas Giolito wrote last night. That's back-to-back incredible starts out of him. Last night's being, obviously, the more memorable of the two. Not that the last one was bad. Mitch Holtis at 11.05. We're going to push, push Mitch back a few minutes here this morning and then Sean Devaney from Forbes long time decades he's covered the NBA he will join us at 11:25 we'll talk about Kawhi Leonard flexing a little bit last night uh Luka Doncic not so fast. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm here, too. And he certainly proved that last night. I mean, unbelievable. I couldn't stay with it. It was a blowout. What do you have? 27 in the first quarter? 25 in the first quarter? Something crazy. He went off. He did. Uh, Kawhi did early in the basketball And that was game. about all I watched, too. After yeah, it that, was... it... Foregone conclusion. It felt that way. Yeah, on Sunday, the Mavs made a big but comeback. Twitter showed, uh, would alert you that they're coming back. <laughs> exactly. Twitter alerted me that Lucas Giolito was pitching a no-no. So when night. did you get to the game? Oh, late. It was ninth or did you get there even before uh, that? Late in the eighth inning, okay, I think. Yeah. yeah. I loved what, the, there were a couple of things that stood out to me a, on the geek technical side. I loved just staying with the broadcast mm-hmm. team going into that ninth inning, no commercial break, yeah. just staying, staying with them. I, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, as you're watching it, and they have the piped-in crowd noise, yep. which we're used to at this point. Right. But I thought the, the camera and the production crew did such a good job of just staying tight, staying tight on the team together. Every once in a while, you can see the empty stands back behind them, but very rarely. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that big overhead shot where you just see an empty stadium. It still felt like that moment with the crowd noise piped in, we knew that there was nobody there, but 
it wasn't striking. And, and I thought they did a really good job with that. It was I such a great moment. I didn't stick with it. Now I wish I would have. Yeah. I went back to the puck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had an overtime time. game, and then we had a, a, a decent game out west. But, uh, no, look, good for him. I don't care if it's the Pirates. They're a major league team. they got mm-hmm. major league players on that roster, and it's not like they go out night in and night out and flirt with being no hit. That hasn't been the case. They stink. I'll give you that. But you know what? Give Lucas Giolito credit. I mean, 27 outs without a hit. That's That takes some doing. And he did it last night. And this Sox team is coming. They are coming. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's a three-team race. What did I see today? Oh, one of the analytics company put out, Trent. Um, Statcast. I don't know what it was. Anyways, they're odds to make the playoffs. Oh, okay. And all three of the heavy heads in the Central, the Twins, the Indians, and, of course, the White Sox are all 97-plus to get in. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I know Fangrass... Up- Might have been Fangrass. Yeah, they update theirs every single day. I, I make my way over there probably a couple of times a week to see mm-hmm. those those updated odds. And, and here it is from Fangrass. The Twins are 99.6% yep. to make the playoffs. The Indians, 979 mm-hmm. And the White Sox, 976 give, give me the Twins once more. 99.6% chance of making yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. The likelihood that either... Any of these three teams drop off. It's incredibly rare. Right now, you're talking about your Blue Jays being a playoff team or the Orioles. Yeah, they had a tough one last night. Being a playoff team. And those two teams are flirting with 500. And are they I, either going to stay there? Probably not. I, did, I do recall a 99 point something percent chance to win. And Joe Flacco dropped back uh, deep and threw a ball over Raheem Moore. Yeah. Touchdown Ravens. Broncos lose. Broncos lose. That was a stinger. That was brutal. That was brutal. January of 2013. Anyways, it, it happens. But like you say, it certainly seems like these, these three teams that are 90 plus, 97 plus to get in are certainly on their way. And the White Sox are playing incredibly well. They're hitting the ball. Now, Dallas. Keuchel goes again today. So they'll begin play what, Trent? They begin play today. How far out of it? Uh, the Twins are up a game and a half over both the Indians and the White Sox, who sit a game and a half back. Uh, Twins have played an extra game, but they're, so they're one back in the loss column, the Indians and the White Sox are. By the way, have you seen some of the names that have been flirted to are going to be available between now and, and uh When's, when's the 31st? Monday. Monday. Or Monday. Uh, between now and, I mean, some huge names. Well, and Clevenger will get a start tonight for the uh-huh. Indians and one of those biggest names up there. I didn't realize Clevenger was as old as he was. I still thought of him as a guy, you know, in that 26, 27 mm-hmm. range. He's, he's got a couple more years on there, and I was a little bit surprised. We talked about Savali the other day. The Indians just have so many young mm-hmm. arms. This is going to be a trial balloon. Hey, Clevenger, yeah. yes, he's hanging out at the farm, but mm-hmm. he's still Mike Clevenger. Indians possibly talking to the Yankees. I've heard a lot of that. That's a possible destination, but it's not just Clevenger. Like you no, said, there's a, a lot of big names. names. A bunch of names are, are apparently going to be out there. If you're interested, John Heyman on Twitter. He's a great follow. Uh, he covers baseball and has for decades. By the way, I want to go back a couple of days ago uh, to Monday when we were scheduled to have Scott Miller from Bleacher Report on, yeah. and he texted you at the last minute that something had come up. Mm-hmm. Scott Miller is part of the layoffs. He was. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so I just wonder if he was getting the news when he was scheduled to join us because it seemed like right after that they started to trickle out that right. Bleacher, Bleacher Report, Report yeah. long form. He's going to stay with the company through the playoffs, I think. Okay. And then he's done. But just weird. Yeah. Man, another, another website that um, it's the times we live in, right? Mm-hmm. I was reading an article, I think it was on Awful Announcing, but one of those sites that, that said that Bleacher Report, their online reporting is still making money. And that's the other part here. But 
they want to take some of that money and possibly invest into live sports. And that's where the money that they're currently broadcasting live broadcasting sports? live sports. Now, what does that entail? Are, are we talking about something big? Are we talking something small? I don't know. Who owns them? Do you know? T- uh, Turner. Turner that, does. Turner bought them. Well, oh, then that may make sense. The NBA six, seems seven, to be eight in years play. ago, I think it yeah. was that they got bought out. You know, just a couple of guys that started a blog. That's what Bleacher Report started as, and they spanned out. And you could write for them. You didn't even have to. You know, be a writer, but you can put your your article up on their website for whatever team or sport yeah. you're talking about. And Turner bought it. I, I want to say it was something like forty million dollars. Just a couple brings, of guys starting a blog. Brings, brings back bad memories. Yeah, tried to get Sports Spotlight the very same bottle. Yeah. Hired David Up and hired Rick Brown. Hired all these guys that lost their gigs. Had the wrong partner. Yeah, that, that's well, part of it yeah. too. No, that's the whole thing. Is what it was. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but the, I thought it would have worked, and who knows what would have happened? Yeah. Got all these ideas, Trent. One I know of these you do. Damn days. There, right? One's gonna hit. One's gonna One, hit. Yeah, I'm sixty. I'll be sixty-two in December. If it's gonna hit, I better do some hitting pretty quick here. Anyways, I like to see the Cubs start doing some hitting. Oh. They're certainly not. Uh, they were by Tyler Chatwood. I guess is probably the bigger story last night uh, in that baseball game. Trent, what has happened? I mean, the first. I don't know, was it two or three weeks of the season? I remember us sitting down here one, I don't know what day it was of the week, but we were talking, well, if it wasn't for Ian Happen, Tyler Chatwood, where would this Cubs team be? Yeah. Right? Um, Chatwood was brutal last night. Awful. He was Tyler Chatwood. He was Tyler Chatwood last night, yes. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. he took the mask off and, oh, hey, look, it is Tyler Chatwood, mm-hmm. not the guy that we saw for the first week and a half of the season. He's not good. He just isn't. It, it was... I understand at the time. You looked at the underlying metrics. A guy pitching in Colorado, live arm, yep. good stuff. Yep. Get out of that air. Absolutely. You think that breaking ball is going to slice uh-huh. a little bit more and you're going to be in Give good him shape. Give a chance. It just never worked. It didn't. Well, I shouldn't say that. It worked for the first couple of weeks of the season. <laughs> well, most everybody has at least a couple of starts that are okay. Yeah. Boy, he certainly didn't have one last night. Walked five guys. I mean, he, he, he had four outs, an inning and a third, and that was it. He and was you can't gone. even, he's not a guy that you can, all right, he throws hard, we can throw him in the bullpen. Because of that control, he's not a bullpen uh-huh. arm either. We talked yesterday about Trevor May with the Twins. Yeah. guy that threw hard with the Phillies, looked like a good prospect, never popped as a starter, but he was able to rein in the control, add a couple of ticks to the fastball, and he's become a very, very good late-ending reliever. I don't think you can do that with Tyler Chatwood. No, I don't think he... They tried yesterday with Quintana, and he was okay early, and then yeah, they hit him I, around a little bit. Did, did that worry you at any means, though? It's He's working his way back. I, I'm i not overly concerned with... So then should we give uh, Chatwood the same... No. 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 We, we've seen enough awful right. Tyler Chatwood. Yeah, we've seen Quintana strike out 11, 12 guys in right. game, right? Yeah. And then he goes back the next night, or then his next start, Gives up rather, 600. And, right. <laughs> he doesn't get through two. Right. Uh, Underwood was terrific, came in with bases loaded, tried to stop the bleeding, and he did, but um, uh, the Cubs couldn't get it done against the lowly Detroit Tigers, 12 up and 16 down. This Cubs team, I know that with the start that they had, they're going to find a spot in the playoffs, but man, oh man, they do not look like a uh, we're long for postseason team to me. The the makeup uh, of this lineup. Speaking of those odds that we mentioned, the Cubs are still 96.2% to get in, to make the playoffs, to win the division. 67 percent so so who's cutting into that mark was it the cardinals the cardinals yep they're at 19 percent the brewers still at 10 percent to win the division reds are hanging on by a thread at three and a half percent to come back and win the division by the reds man i missed there that's my biggest miss of the year the reds i love the moves that they made i did too i thought they were legit they just don't know how they're going to cobble it together david bell's in his last 
four or five weeks. Well, how many weeks are left in the regular season? 27, so four, five weeks left of the regular season. <laughs> he's he's going to walk the plank. Dodgers are 22-9, uh, and nine. Mm-hmm. and I heard, uh, I think it was Buster Olney yesterday uh, during his Baseball Tonight podcast, and he had mentioned with the writer that he was talking to, if the Dodgers were playing a 162. What were what, they on pace to win? Would they, I mean, 120? 115, 120, right in that range. They're yeah. so stinking good. Then yep. they add Mookie Bucks to it. It's just mm-hmm. ridiculous watching that team. It'll flip around. I, I love when they do the whip around coverage on MLB Network in the evening, and I do that a lot of times after the NBA wraps up. That's where I'll go. Got there a little earlier last night, but watching that coverage and watching those games as they're bouncing around, and then you get to the Dodgers game and just <laughs> thinking of that lineup, and then. You go in, you look at the arms that they have from Walker Bueller on down. It's an incredible team. Yeah. Now, time to break through, right? Mm-hmm. 1988. You'd think. With the money they've spent That's, over the last seven, eight years. Jeez. Dodgers haven't won a World Series since 1988. That's crazy. Think of the amount of people listening. Blue Jays have won two since then. That don't I even, mean, Tampa ones are uh, Miami ones since then. A couple. Yes. Twins won one since then. Mm-hmm. Won the one the year before. Mm-hmm. But it, it's an organization that has spent... That seems to be building right. It seems like they pushed all the buttons. I guess I understand that frustration huh. with the Astros series a little bit more. Yeah. What do you think about it in those terms? Trent, I wouldn't have got that. I, I absolutely thought that they... I haven't won a World Series since I moved to the States. Wow. I've been here a long time. Yeah. That's... Jeez. I, I didn't know that. You just assume, 32 right? years. Yeah. Crazy. Anyways... I look forward to uh, look forward to talking to Mitchell Moore. Look forward to talking to Cappy. By the way, I guess your Bears quarterbacks had a stinker collectively yesterday. Oh, I'm shocked. <laughs> They're terrible. Oy, oy, oy. I'm starting to get. You know what got me going yesterday? Hard knocks again. No, I didn't see it because I had too much live. I'll watch ah. it when I get home today before the uh, hockey in the end. The hockey's first, right today? Yeah, yeah two, two o'clock. o'clock. Three games. Had an overtime game last night. Boston and Tampa. That's the best of the series Is going it? on now. I think. I really do. I think whoever wins that series. We'll win the Stanley Cup. Okay. Yeah. Well, what can you get for them right now? Probably short. Yeah, I would guess. Because I don't think anybody who comes out of the West is going to win it. And this is my auntie. You know, the Jets are out. It's, but but you're not you're not a believer in the Stars. You're you know, so, you're shocked that they're shocked, up on the Lance two nothing. You know what? There's a bet for you. What are the Lance to win the series? They have to win four out of the next five. I believe they can. Oh. There's your bet. All right. So let's find some series prices here. NHL series lines. Here we go. Uh, you can get the Lance at only plus 240. That's not enough. Yeah. It, it's almost makes sense. Five? Yeah, to win four out of four, five in that one. Um, Let's see. So that was series lines, team totals, correct score, team futures. That's what we're looking for to win the Stanley Cup. They'll both be short prices. Ning, plus 485. Mm-hmm. Bruins, also plus 485. Yeah. And they're the two favorites? Uh, no, the Knights, 285. No, that's the wrong team, Trent. All right. That's the wrong team. I so like a so lot take of a stab pieces. on both the Bruins and the Lightning. I already got the Islanders heavily involved with them to win the you East. You love the East. Be in good shape, right? Yeah. Well, you're going to get some. One of your teams is going to get there. Well, you don't have the Flyers, but you certainly seem to have the rest of them surrounded, uh, for crying out loud. Uh, so we will speak with Cappy. Then we're going to hear from Mitch Holtis. He will join the program. But what I started to say, I'm starting to get the football juices going a little bit. And you know what it was? It was Randy Peterson's piece on Iowa State. Oh, really? Like, I don't think they're going to be 8-2. and two. I think Randy was a little generous. Um, I think he had 7-2 and two in conference, beating Oklahoma. Um, haven't done that in, uh, in Ames since, I think he said, 1960 in his piece. But regardless of what 
was uh, contained uh, in the column. Just the fact that, and then I read Travis Hines' piece on the 10 questions about Iowa State. I'm starting to allow myself to think that this is going to happen. And, And I haven't, I've been slow to the party because I don't want my heart to be broken. Uh, but I got into it a little bit yesterday, and now I'm fully in, and I'm going to start to do my homework on the Big 12 and the ACC and the and the uh, what am I missing the SEC um, because it's they're going to try, they're going to try, they're going to try. Yep. And it'll be all systems go, and we'll get a couple of games here uh, coming up a week from Saturday, and then the 12th it'll be most of the Big 12 teams will be playing that day. Do we have a game on Saturday? I thought there, mm. there was one game, and it's some real. It's a, a game that we would never, ever, ever pay attention to. Uh, ESPN, 8 o'clock, Austin P in Central Arkansas. Get your tickets early. Is that at Central Arkansas? It is, Trent. And you know how difficult it is to win. Well, there's going to be no fans. And I don't know how difficult it is to win there. I'm well, it has a great field. Oh, what color is it? Uh, purple and silver. Oh, my. Purple and silver field of Central Arkansas. I will see that field for the first time in my life at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. <laughs> Austin P. and I didn't know they played football. Uh, in the Central governors. Arkansas. There you go. The governors. How many, how many of the governors getting in this one, Trent? Oh, you got a... 17 and a half? Oh, no, not 24? I, I was more seven and a half. I have no idea. I mean, you don't just walk into Bear Stadium and pick up a victory. I Austin think that's what Central Arkansas Central is. Arkansas, 8 o'clock on Saturday Night College. But I wonder who they're going to sign to that one. Whew. They're going to go way down. Herb Street? The... No, I'm guessing no. I'm guessing no. But we got college football on Saturday night. What's that guy's name? Uh, Clint Matich. Trevor Matich. No, not him. I'm th- The Clint guy. He did a couple Clint. of Iowa State games last year. <laughs> Clint, and it starts with an M. No, I don't remember. And it's not Maverick. Clint. Clint. I remember just trying to figure out somebody who did an Iowa State game. Right. I think it was that guy. We hadn't heard of him. Was that ESPN, though, that did it? It was was like the U or something. Something in that line. I don't remember. It might even been the U and I Iowa State game last year. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll tune in on Saturday night at 8 o'clock because we have college football. And then what do we got on Labor Day weekend? Just Labor Day night, right? Uh, Well, there's a couple of other games, kind of low-level games. But yeah, that Monday night we get BYU-Navy, which uh, I'm incredibly pumped up for. Mm -hmm. Used to having the ACC game there. That won't be the case this year. But I think there are a couple other games that are filtered in there again. Uh, Arkansas State-Memphis. Okay. Yes. I don't have a time for that yet. Uh, but I see all the windows that ESPN's got. They're going to give us football starting at 11 o'clock with the nightcap at 9.30. So maybe we'll have a Saturday of college football. And then Monday night, BYU and Navy, as you mentioned. And it's on on the 12th. Uh, let's uh, get the keyword done. Let's try to put $1,000 in somebody's pocket. Mitchell Moore, head coach of Roosevelt, coming up momentarily. Uh, KXNO and iHeart want to help you pay your bills. Text the keyword FUN to 200-200. Right now, it's your chance to win $1,000. FUN to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Miller and Condon with you until noon. David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa, sponsors. He joins us in 15 minutes. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Long 
All right, welcome back. Miller Con Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. High School Football Friday night. The crew will be in tow here. Joe Stacy, Josh Loffelholtz, Sean Roberts uh, will be presenting the scoreboard show. Gets underway at 7. We hope to have Joe Stacy on tomorrow to preview uh, what they are going to do. Hopefully we'll do that at 11 o'clock. Uh, Roosevelt, Trent, just looking at their schedule. Mm-hmm. Coach Moore momentarily. They got Valley, they've got Dowling, they've got Ankeny Centennial. Yikes. Didn't schedule it down by any means. <laughs> no. And uh, a team that made a run last year, got into the playoffs, got to see Dowling Catholic in the first round, but it's a program that has continue, continued to build. No question. Coach Link got things started, what, about five years ago when he had the program for a couple of years. And Mitchell Moore, I have continued to say, if there's going to be a coach that's going to break that long streak of the city schools against the suburban schools, it's going to be these Roosevelt Rough Riders. Well, no pressure, Coach. There you heard Trent. The pre- <laughs> Uh, no pressure, absolutely. Good to talk to you. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. No, excited to have you. So uh, it's kind of uh, – let's go back to uh, to the spring. You guys get started. All systems are go. You're looking forward to playing an entire season. Was the yeah. – I guess the th- – eh, you know, the threat's not the right word. Was the thought in the back of your mind at all is how lo- how far along are we going to get? It seemed like uh, you were getting the thumbs up as far as – you know, if, if you have to do the hybrid model, that doesn't mean it's going yeah. to affect sports in any way. Um, was it in the back of your mind at all, Coach, that maybe there might be something, what of an interruption due to lawyers getting involved as seemingly we're headed towards that spot? Well, I don't know if, if I ever thought that it would become to this, I, and I don't think that anybody did, but I, I do know one thing that the last four months has kind of prepared everybody, and, and that's it. We, we don't live more than a week at a time because you don't know what's yep. going to be next. And so I think for those last four months, we've all had a snapshot of what what could be maybe the next four months. And so as things arise daily, I, I think you kind of just you t- you take them head on and you, you tackle the things that are most important to that day. And, and certainly when I get around our football program, we're, our focus is solely on Valley and solely on, on playing a season and preparing for game one. And then when I leave that aspect of things, I mean, my obligation as a head coach is to, to help tackle some of those other things. So I didn't see it coming to this, guys. But um, at the same time, I can't tell you that anything right now is unprecedented. And so you just kind of you, you take everything with a grain of salt. Mitch, I know you uh, watched a lot of baseball this summer as I was out there, too, yeah. and saw the way that it played out. Take us in now to the football practices leading into Friday night. What camp has been like, how different it's been, and, and what you guys have done with the Des Moines Public Schools and over at Roosevelt to do everything yeah. possible to keep these kids safe? Yeah, there's no question. There's been some things that are different. We're not getting inside and watching film. We, we've always been, I've been really big on recovery and getting in the pool and doing things during camp that you know that is really beneficial for their body that we're just not getting the opportunity to do. And, you know, we're, we're making sure we're sanitizing our equipment daily. We've done a great job of wearing masks every time that, that, we, that we can. We pod our teams into certain aspects and, and um, you know, teach them at different, different places during practice. But, again, when you lay the ball down and it's 11 on 11, some of that yeah. stuff goes out the window. But you do the best you can and follow the guidelines as good as possible until you can't at some times. And, um, you know, credit goes to our staff, our administration, and everybody that's been, you know, the people, the trainers around us that help us do those things. And then how about this? How about the kids that have taken a lot of onus on them and just said, hey, who cares? Let's have a mesh bag. Let's put our pads and, <laughs> and helmet in, and, and have our locker room by the fence. And this is old school. We bring our old water bottle, and, and that's not going to affect when Coach blows the whistle and we've got to get into this drill. And 
So I think, man, have they just done an unbelievable job of adapting? And then it, it makes us as coaches, they inspire us, right? Okay, well, if these guys can do it, let's, let's follow their lead. And so that's been unique to see, you know, from my standpoint. And then some of the other things that, that I think have changed and we've done, at least at, at Roosevelt, from a practice standpoint, heck, maybe this is a better way to teach guys. Hmm. Maybe we're getting more one-on-one attention to some of these guys doing those things. So, again, I know Coach Campbell said this. I remember him saying this in March. Somebody's going to come out of this better. Some program's going to be better. Some leader's going to be better. And so I think all this just gives us an opportunity to, to get better. And so uh, our, our staff and our team, man, they've just done an unbelievable job at doing that. Uh, Coach Moore is our guest from Roosevelt. Mitchell Moore joins us. Uh, it's Miller and Condon, 1460 KX and 0-106.3 uh, FM. We, we saw the uh, the baseball team make a, a, a really nice run uh, to get to the state tournament and, and heartbreak in a really close game. Coach, where I want to go with you, when you go back to when you first got there to where you're at now, because one of the challenges sure. seemingly with city schools is participation, right? It's no getting question. It's getting those kids out. From where you are to where you are now, participation numbers-wise, I have to believe it's increased. Yeah, it's increased. We've we've added twenty three guys to our roster during a pandemic. So how about that wow. for a for a culture and and just it, that tells you about the leadership within our walls as as our players. And you know, I guess I'd be remiss to not talk about a group on our team, the, the Uncommon Academy, and kind of comprised of, of freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and season seniors, all nationalities, and a group we got together in January to talk about life outside of football, right? And I think everybody does that. Well. We established, you know, that group, that heartbeat of your team kind of in January and February, and then the pandemic hit, and, and, and wow, they became, they became the centerfold of your team, right? And they, they had to help spread the message, and they had to help make sure people were, were comfortable sharing their feelings in a new way. And so that group for us has really, you know, we've, we've tackled everything. We've, we've talked about how we needed to get better, you know, before the pandemic hit. Then during the pandemic – how do we change? How do we change our life skills and our habits to do things to get better? And then, you know, maybe one of the biggest things for our program and our community is the fight for social justice. Mm-hmm. And how do we talk about it, right? And, and how do we communicate it with our players? And how do we support it? How do we represent it? All those things. And, and, and we just, I think that group has to be the leaders in that. And then it, it filters down to your position coaches. And a lot of those things in our program as we talk about getting better it's got to be led by those players. And so that's been a fun group to be a part of. It really has. As you look at Friday night, of course, at the beginning of the baseball season at Principal Park, Roosevelt, yep. the players took a knee. Uh, what has been the latest? Have you guys, I'm sure, had that conversation? And what will the team be doing before the game during the National Anthem on Friday night? Well, you know, I, we, we've had the conversation. I think we've had it individually. We've had it in groups. We've had them have a conversation about them talking about what they believe in and what they want to stand for and, and how to make Roosevelt football a platform to help promote change. And I think, so that's what I've talked about. The decision they make at that time, that'll be solely on, on, on their shoulders. And, and obviously they're going to have advice. They're going to have seen other things happen, and they're going to do things. But that's a decision that a young man in our program, through all the tools that we've hopefully given them, said, okay, what do I do in a situation like this? This is, this is big. There are eyes on me. What am I going to stand for? What, you know, and, and, and what am I going to represent in this moment? And that's everything's good, right? Standing and representing the flag and representing your country is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Kneeling and representing things that are going on in our culture right now, that's outstanding too because it's 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 private or it's pro- protesting peacefully. And so, um, you know, all those things. Are, my team knows where I stand. Uh, my team knows that I'm going to let them make a decision. And 
And, um, you know, that's, that's that'll be a moment that that uh, you'll probably remember for a long time if you're if you're a player in our program. Well said, Coach. So let's fast forward to the following week. Then you will host East, host East uh, at Drake Stadium. I, I yeah. saw yesterday that there were a couple of uh, city schools volleyball programs actually held senior nights. Sad as that sounds, yeah. Yep. I mean, it just says it really is. It, that kind of was uh, jarring in, in in so many ways. Will you do something along those lines if there's we, no resolution? We are. Yep, we are. We, we're gonna we're gonna hold a senior night. Um, you know, on the on the night we play East, and we've got a just an opportunity to represent just a tremendous senior class, talented individuals, and and, and even better men. So, you know, whether you, whether it's game two or game nine or game seven or whatever, just getting the opportunity to honor them, and 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 yeah. we're gonna do it game two and make sure we get it done. Coach, uh, tell us a little bit more about this team. I saw your quarterback, Jamison Patton, playing third base for the baseball team, and yeah. Rush Niggett, who does the games with me, he was singing his praises. Boy, as a yeah. freshman, he didn't look like it. I know he's going to be there, but tell us about him and the rest of your squad this year. Well, yeah, and, and I want to start with this. As I said earlier, a special group of people, and I think I told the parents this the other night, especially the group of people that I've ever been around, where they've how they've handled everything for the last five months has been just unbelievable to me as a staff being a part of this community i know we've made this community proud and so that's that's number one before we talk about football but talk about their athletic abilities i we, we do we've got some special individuals and and a, and a collective team and i think is going in the right direction but finn claypool is a guy that to me has embodied what it means to be a senior football player in a program and he's changed who he is changed who he is as a leader he's going to be a big time havoc on the dno line and then Jaden Coger, our back, who's as healthy as he's ever been. Um, he's, he's lightning when he gets in space. He's a humble, you know, just a humble kid, and and it's been fun to see him grow. Tomaj Davis, uh, he'll be a you know an all-state linebacker returning that's learned how to lead and and learned how to um, really um, focus on things that can make him better daily. And then you know when you talk about Jamison, again, he's a he's a guy I believe is as good as a player, as good as an off-the-field person, um, as good as a leader at 15 years old that I've ever been around. Um, and, you know, his, obviously the stature of his body, he's a, he's a good-looking kid. He's got all the tools. But, man, I, I tell you, it's his other attributes to what make up his, his makeup being special. And he leads this program. He's a three-sport athlete. He's got good grades. He does the right things. He's got parents around him that support him. And then and, and, um, so that's fun. It's fun when you've got a kid like that that's kind of the helm. He's the quarterback, right? So that makes things operate a little better. Indeed it so. does. Coach, listen, we're out of time. We appreciate it. We'll be watching. Uh, best of luck that you guys get all of those games that are on that schedule. Not an easy schedule, but I know you're looking forward to playing each and every one of them, Coach, and here's hoping yeah. that you do. Coach Moore, thank you. Best of luck to you and you and your program, and thanks for sharing the, some of those stories about those uh, outstanding group of kids. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on. We can't wait for game one. Good to talk to you, Coach. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, uh, Coach Mitchell Moore, uh, really a good guy. Trent. Yes, he is. Uh, the community's better that he's part of it, and hopefully he'll stay part of it for a long time, and no pressure on him. You've got him. <laughs> look, the, the participation numbers are up, mm-hmm. which is huge yep. in the city school, and uh, if the baseball team is any indication, they had a yep. nice run this year. That they did the last couple of years. Uh, the rank throughout all last year. The baseball program's been very good. Golf's been good throughout the years. They've they've had those, but football 
It's just numbers. You, know, mm-hmm. you look at it and you look at the rosters and you look at the sidelines. And when you go to one of these games where it's suburban school versus city school, yeah. you see that stark difference between the two. But well, You don't see kids going both ways. <laughs> right, right. That doesn't happen in Valley. No. That, but it happens at Hoover yeah. and Roosevelt and yeah. Easton and everywhere else in the city. So it's just different, but you got to get those numbers up. And if there's a guy to do it, it is Mitchell Moore. We met him for the first time last summer. Yeah. And I, I remember afterwards we were both, wow. Yeah, they got that, the right guy there. That's a guy. For sure. All right, uh, David Kaplan's our guy. He's Centurion Stone's guy. We're pretty, we're certainly happy with that. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. Off to Chicago we will go. He joins us live uh, next on Miller and Condon. Well, fingers crossed. He stiffed us last week. No, I didn't stiff us. Yeah. He just had we, we got to him a little. We did. Uh, Miller and Condon with David Kaplan joining us next. Fourteen sixty KXNO and one spirits competition. Start this over. This isn't music. Didn't have it up. Okay. It's not in the system. All right. When we recorded him, it was very easy for me to splice it in. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Well, we'll do without it. Uh, Cappy joins the program. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. Cap Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. Cap, how are you? I am good. I'm going to play golf today. I got the afternoon free until 5 o'clock, so... Just did morning drive radio in my hometown of Chicago. Now I get to talk to my favorite guy. Uh, we're glad to have you on, Cap. Uh, David Kaplan brought to you by Spice Centurion Stone of Iowa. we got to start with the White Sox. Took two or three from the Cubs over the weekend. Lucas Giolito was unhittable last night. Uh, Cap, let me ask this. I know that, uh, you know, obviously with the Cubs and the White Sox and the rivalry amongst their fans, were there some Cub fans poo-pooing the no-no because, uh, after all, it's only the Pirates, and this really doesn't count. Did you hear much of that today? Yeah, there were a few idiots on Twitter. And, right. look, there's some great people on Twitter, but Twitter's where a lot of the idiots go to play. They can hide behind their keyboard. Uh, just the Pirates, and there were no fans in the game. There's an asterisk, but it's no hitter. <laughs> Stop. Go back and look at the Pirates from August 1 till yesterday. They had games where they got nine hits, 16 hits. They were putting up numbers. Now, they're not a great team, but they never got no hit before. It's not like, you know, teams are bringing up their taxi squad guys and they're all throwing no-nos. Lucas Giolito's a beast, and he was off the play. That he was, 13 strikeouts, of course, the no-hitter, and uh, a guy that got out to a rough start his first start of the year since then. He has been outstanding. A year ago, hit the wall, but the way he bounced back after that disastrous 2018, G. is in the conversation, one of the best pitchers, certainly in the American League. How much more upside is there in this guy? How much higher can his star rise? Uh, yeah, I think you're seeing him at a really elite level. He's the only guy last season who shut out on the road the Twins and Astros to, you know, mashing type mm-hmm. lineup. Yep. So those are, you know, pretty strong accomplishments. So if you look at that, you look at what he did last night, this guy's really, really good. And I think he's just going to get more and more consistent. That's what I like about him. I've interviewed him a number of times face to face, either on Sports Talk Live or doing radio where he was in the building. He's an awesome dude. And after 18, there were a lot of people on the White Sox went, yeah, I don't know about this trade for Adam Eaton. Not mm-hmm. that Eaton was beloved in the locker room. He wasn't. They were moving on from him. But they thought, well, we got three pitchers, and Giolito has a chance to be a number one. 
and he went down statistically as the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. And he said, I went back to my high school coach and my dad, and I worked on not just my mechanics. It was more a mental thing. And he came back last year ready, and, yeah, he's a beast fan, and I couldn't be happier, even as a Cubs fan. I've said I'm about unity. When they don't play the Cubs, I'm rooting for the Sox. That was fun last night. No, it really was. Cap, uh, speaking of trades, and I didn't realize this, so after the uh, the White Sox and the Cubs ended on Sunday, ESPN was showing the Padres. I don't even remember who they were playing. But uh, anyways, Fernando Tatis Jr. being Fernando Tatis Jr., I didn't realize that he was a member of the White Sox organization and was traded for James Shields. I mean, can you imagine, Cap, that lineup with Tatis a part of it? Yeah, just different everything could be because if you had Fernando Tatis Jr. at short, then you would have moved Tim Anderson probably to second. Second, yep. So you might not have drafted uh, Nick Madrigal number three overall. Maybe you draft somebody else. It's just a one decision right. begets another decision. And look, they were back, you know, in the day they made the James Shields trade. All in, we try to win every year here, and they had no chance. That was just not an intelligent trade, and Rick Hahn would tell you. We had to change our mindset before we made a decision like that again. We've talked a little bit about this team. As we look forward, we were talking about fan graphs. They're over 95% to make the playoffs here. To make a playoff run, what else do you need to see out of this White Sox team to, to win a couple of series, to get to an ALCS? What more needs to happen with this White Sox squad? Well, two things. One, can they win without the home run? Because the weather turns. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but in the winter time in Chicago, in Iowa, wherever, it gets cold. It's not going to be <laughs> like it is today, 90 degrees. So can they win without the ability to mash? Like they crushed the ball at Wrigley over the weekend. I get it. But can they win stringing hits together, playing small ball? And then the other thing is, I still think it's a crappy defensive team or a very mediocre defensive team, maybe if you want to call them. They're not average. They're not a very good defensive team. So can their defense not let them down in a key situation? Because if you're playing, pick a team, the Yankees, and you get Aaron Judge coming up and you boot a ball, you're like, all right, we're okay. Oh, well, the next guy's John Carlos Stanton. Or the next guy's this guy or that guy. They're loaded, and you can go through the playoff teams. You better not make mistakes. Uh, Cap, uh, Cap uh, speaking of mistakes, the Cubs made a couple of mistakes. Um, you know, and just to your point on, on the White Sox uh, defense, it almost cost them at Wrigley on Sunday, right? Cease was on the mound, uh, and they and they uh, had a gaff behind him. Now, he was able to get out of it, but that could have been a big inning for the Cubs. We've also seen the Cubs run themselves out of some potential big innings. That game I'm referring to on Sunday, Contreras, I have no idea where he was going, getting thrown out at second. Baez the other night in Detroit, wandering off third base and getting caught up in a rundown. That cost them a run. Cap, David Ross, can he discipline these guys that, you know, were teammates of his for crying out loud? Does he have that in him? Because I'm seeing an undisciplined Cubs baseball team more often than I should be. Yeah, he absolutely does. And I've asked different players off the air 
is that guy ability? Has he have the ability to hold you accountable? I'm like, dude, you have no idea. But somewhere, Joe Madden is sitting in a cafe drinking coffee and going, "Take that," because you guys thought I was the bad guy. Maybe it's on the players. You know, that was that was not a steal sign that Contreras had. It was a ball in the dirt that got like two feet away, and he decided to try and take advantage of it. You know, I remember. A, and it was last year, I think it was two years ago, I tweeted, this is one of the dumber base running teams that I've seen. And there were a number of people around the club, some of their own broadcasters, what are you talking about? This is one of the best base running teams in baseball. No, it was a team that treated base running like a little league team where you just run until they throw you out. And most times they throw the ball away and they got breaks and they got lucky and they ran through stop signs. And in the end, they're base running by all accounts and by their own admission. Yeah, we need to be better. So this was not as much on Joe Madden, David Ross, as the players got to be smarter than that. Javi Baez is a veteran player. So is Wilson Contreras. They've won World Series. They got to be smarter when they're running, you know, on a ball in the dirt. Can I make that? I'll take a shot if I get thrown out. Who cares? That's on the player. So Tyler Chatwood last night turns into a pumpkin as uh, after the hot start to the season. He's back to being Tyler Chatwood again. What do the Cubs do with him for the rest of the year? Good question. Very good question. Except you've got doubleheaders each of the next two mm, Saturdays. Yeah. So I think you're going to have to use him in a starting role somewhere. Mm-hmm. you got doubleheaders. Who are you going to pitch? Now, Adbert Alzali looked really good his last start. So maybe he's there. Katana was tired at 65 pitches last night, so he's not there yet arm strength-wise, but he pitched okay. He kept him in the ball game. So I do think you will see Chatwood, but I don't think you're going to see the guy that is locked into that rotation. Hmm. Cap, we'll get to the Bears in, uh, in a second. I got two more on the Cubs, one in the broadcast booth, one on the field, except he's not on the field, and that's Chris Bryant. When's he going to be on the field, Cap? Might this linger? What are they saying about Bryant? They feel like it's not a horrifically serious injury, but look, I love Chris Bryant. He's a wonderful person. He's been a really good player. He'll go down to Cubs history as one of their best is he won an MVP and he was on the World Series team and he made that last play. That said, he's not the toughest, like, gamer-type guy. He just isn't. That's just a fact. That's just who he is. You know, for every Anthony Rizzo that you think his season's over because he broke his ankle and the next day he's taking <laughs> Jack Flaherty deep, you're like, how did that happen? How is he running the bases? That's just not who Chris is. So when he comes back, I would think he's back in four or five days. I just can't tell you that for sure. Hmm. Cap, if uh, Jim Deshaies uh, needed job security, certainly got it this weekend. And, and look, Sean Marshall was put in a bad spot. Dempster's, I, I, he's another one of those nice guys. I get it. Uh, but, boy, the broadcast really missed Deshaies over the weekend when he was uh, unable to answer the bell. I guess he got hurt his knee or his ankle or something, regardless. Um, boy, the, we, the, the marquee broadcast booth, I thought, really missed Deshaies. How about you? Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Look, Sean's never done it before. So right, it was unfair. him into yeah. this incredibly visible series, and you're saying, go get him, big guy. Right. He's never worked with Len. So can he develop into a good analyst? Yeah, 
I, I don't want you to listen to tapes of me when I started broadcasting. 100%. Like 1987. Yep. I was horrible. So I remember being at WGN in 95, and, yeah, you got to record all these commercials for the Cubs game, and it shouldn't take you very long. There's like <laughs> five commercials. Well, today, I my goal is to do all five in one take and be done in, like, five minutes. Back then, I remember being there, like, an hour and a half, and – I couldn't get through the commercial. I couldn't learn how to breathe. So the inflection points are off, and I'm, like, swallowing in the middle of a spot. Like, it takes time. They had to bring someone in to train me. So and it's not as much at Sean Marshall. Jim's really good, and so is Len. And they're like a comfortable pair of slippers that you put on, and you go, this feels right. They are the sound of my summer. I love Ryan Dempster. I'm a fan of his. But you don't need three people, one not in the booth. Like, Ryan, at least, is in the booth, and I think he's very insightful. But do I need Carlos Pena from his, like, foyer there? Do I need Lou Pinella from his, like, kitchen? Mark Grace from his kitchen? No. Stop with all of that. You don't need it. Water is wet. The sky is blue. And the Bears have two terrible quarterbacks. So some things you just know are going to be the case. Yesterday, reports from yesterday's practice. I understand it's one practice, but Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, both apparently were terrible during practice. Give us the latest on this quarterback, I guess, controversy. Yeah, yesterday, from what I was told, again, I wasn't up there. I was on the air, but I was told that Mitch was not as accurate as he's been during camp. And Nick was just checked down Nick. Yeah. They're like, Matt Nagy said, guys, we've got to take chances. We've got to move the ball down the field. Don't just look and go, yeah, there's a guy maybe five yards away. I don't want to get picked off because it might affect my ability to start. So let me just dump it down here to a running back. Push the ball down the field. So I think it was a bad day for both quarterbacks. Can they recover? Yes, there's plenty of time to recover. Cap, my last thing for you, if Trent's got another Bears, we'll uh, have time to get that in. But just, uh, Cap, I, as you know, I'm a hockey fan, right? Uh, and, and speaking of announcers, when they get their first opportunity, Patrick Sharp, I remember when he was first brought into the uh, into the uh, booth on NBCSN, I thought this isn't going to be long. But he's really grown on me, Cap. Patrick Sharp, when he was a player, was he a good quote uh was he one of the guys you would go to you know after a game if you were covering blackhawks or the blackhawks beat writers i think he's doing a terrific job cap yes he was that guy and i agree with you i'm a big patrick sharp guy first of all he makes an exceptional appearance and i'm not talking about that he's like the most handsome no he is though (laughs) yeah he is yeah absolutely my point is when he shows up he's dressed like a professional He is stylish. He's eloquent. You don't hear. And it drives me insane why teams or agents don't put their guys in the best position. He's not, you know, we really tried, you know, tonight. um, uh, Puck's deep. Yeah, uh, you know, he's a good. I'm like, stop. Quit using these crutches. Those are crutches. You're searching for what to say. Patrick Sharp is polished. It just takes time to understand what are my ins, what are my outs, where am I speaking, when do I need to shut up. Less is more. That's how I was always taught. Don't start talking and think, well, I haven't said enough, so I probably should say (laughs) a little bit more so people think I'm smart 
and all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, I'm out over my skis now. How am I getting back from here? I've been there. We all have. So, yeah, I'm incredibly impressed with Patrick Sharp. The double doink will be a forever part of the Bears lexicon after the playoff game from a couple of years ago. Eddie Pinero, the kicker, the incumbent, but Cairo Santos coming in, some history with Kansas City, with Matt Nagy there. Now we got a quarterback controversy and back to a kicker controversy. Bears football, catch the excitement, huh? Yeah, there, there really is no kicker controversy here. This is not like last year, mm-hmm. simply because last year we didn't know who the kicker was going to be. This year, with COVID-19, Matt has made it clear we're going to have redundancy at different positions. They've even talked about quarantining for a few days the third quarterback so that if, God forbid, you do your test on Friday afternoon before the team leaves, you go, oh, God, so-and-so, Mitchell Trubisky has got it. I wonder if Nick has it because they were in the same meeting room. Well, Tyler, uh, Tyler Bray, he won't be in the same meeting room. He'll be quarantined. Well, you've got to have a kicker, too. What do you do if you wake up on Saturday and you're like, "Uh oh, we got a big problem here. Our kicker has COVID or he's got a false positive. We don't know what's going to happen. So Cairo Santos hit the market before someone else gobbled him up. You throw him a few bucks and if someone's got a tweak groin, we got a second guy. He knows our coverages. He knows all the things that we like to do. He's a good guy. He can kick. And at least you have a backup there. Keep it in the fairway, Cap. Uh, thank you for doing this. It's uh, so much better when we get you live and we do going forward. Thank you, Cap. Appreciate it. Yep, I'm excited. By the way, would you tell the fine people at Centurion Stone they need to come to Chicago because they need a little stone work done? I'll let them know. See you, pal. Have a good week. See you. We'll talk about uh, Centurion Stone on the other side. Miller and Con until noon, 1460 KXNO, 101.1.